Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the unexpected innovator. We are all incredibly creative, but maybe we've forgotten how. I've spent my career working with people from more than 150 countries, traveling the world, and experiencing cultures. And what I found? Creativity is everywhere. We've got a gargantum challenge facing us, as we need to redesign a more sustainable planet. This podcast explores modern-day innovation in the age of sustainability. I'll interview some of the most prolific thinkers, creators, and educators on their journey to create sustainable incomes and businesses. My guests and I will teach you how to be creative, create business models, and explore curiosity with the courage to level up in your career. Join me every Wednesday for a new edition of Where Ideas Launch, the podcast. Welcome to our episode. Where Ideas Launch is taking a trip down under. In a country of 25.7 million people, almost all of whom live nearer to the coast than inland, this is a place of interest for climate change and for evolution. Today we have two guests. Fiona Mehmet from Brisbane is the founder of All Things Fi, a sustainable brand, marketplace and ethical business. All Things Fi provides high quality, locally made products to the community through ethical and fair trade practices. The All Things Fi mission is to end poverty and human tra trafficking through conscious fashion solutions and ethical decision making. Welcome Fiona. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great to have you. We also have Terry Bell. Terry is an Australian lawyer with her own boutique commercial law firm based in Sydney, Australia. She's currently working on developing new workplace solutions for businesses. She believes everyone should be able to thrive at work and aims to educate and influence more companies to be more legally compliant. Welcome, Terry. Hello. Wonderful to have you both, ladies. I'm really excited about this show. So we all met in a sustainability group online and it's a great community of young businesses growing in purpose. And I'd like to cover with you both and maybe starting with Fiona, what drove you to build a sustainable business in all things Fi? Um, well, I actually had an interesting background. So I volunteered abroad um, and, you know, unfortunately worked for some immoral companies. So the, you know, the idea of all things Fi was born um, and we um, wanted to align equality values, um, ethical business um, and providing opportunities with the love for fashion, creativity and expression. Um, so marrying them both together, we created um, All Things Fee and then um, we decided we were going to source product um, that was ethically made and, um, you know, created a process around that. Um, and just made sure that, you know, everyone that we worked with and sourced from aligned with our values. So they were ethically doing the right thing. Um, and that meant, you know, following fair trade requirements as well. So we're just making sure they're ticking all the boxes um, and also sourcing locally as well. So we can help provide for the community and build that, you know, community base, um, I suppose, feel around the brand as well. And did you mm. feel that this was a, a gap that was existing in the Brisbane area when you started or was it also a trend around you? Um, it is, there is a niche for it in Brisbane, but there is, there is a gap in Brisbane, especially because it's a bit more of a, a country town than a, um, you know, a city, <laughs> um, but it is growing um, um, and it is keeping up with Sydney and Melbourne. Um, but it's still got that, you know, country feel to it. So you can still, you know, make your mark. Um, and there is a lot of gaps and a lot of things left 
opportunities left on the table that you can pick up from and um, be creative with and um, make your mark. That's really awesome. So I'm going to move to Terry now. And Terry, my question for you is, which of the 17 sustainable development goals sits at the heart of your business and why? Well, if I could pick them all, I would, but <laughs> eight would have to be the key one for me. Um, obviously, when you look at uh, employment and workers and and that, that's a key driving factor for me. So I want to make sure everybody is, is you know, as many people as I can are working in a happy environment. So, um, and, and they're, you know, rewarded for what they're doing. And I think that flows not only in Australia, but through the whole supply chain. So that, that's really the driving factor for me. Yeah, I think supply chains are, are under a lot of stress, um, not just because of sustainability from the climate side, but also from the human capital side. So I'm going to flip again to Fiona. And in your experience of working with sort of underrepresented groups, because I know this is an area area of purpose for you, what are your thoughts on how conditions around fair workplace practices are progressing in Australia in general? Um, I'd say that they're doing well at the moment, considering um, that a lot of brands have taken their manufacturing in-house or taking it um, back to Australia from um, importing because of the availability and obviously the COVID situation. Um, so um, that's been a necessity that they've taken on board and then they've had a look at manufacturing here and realised that it is um, a little bit more expensive, but it is fair trade. So we're meeting the requirements just off the bat. Um, but I think they're also realising that there are consequences for old habits um, with regards to fair working environments in manufacturing. Um, so, you know, unethical actions, you know, do have consequences. Um, and I think people are just being more mindful of that um, and obviously putting more strategic practices in place to make sure that they're, um, you know, meeting those requirements. Um, but I do think that some brands do have to be careful about um, greenwashing as well. Um, and yeah, I wanted to bring this up because if it's not a part of your branding, it's very obvious that you're greenwashing. <laughs> so if that makes sense. Um, you know, if it's not part of how you've built your branding, um, for example, some brands have, you know, just picked up a sustainable or like conscious collection when that, that wasn't part of their, you know, initial approach um, so you can't do you know unethical fair work practices and then have a sustainable collection it's not the same thing um, but if you can try your best and marry them both and make sure they both align um, then that's definitely a, a better way to move forward yeah. um, but I think that the fair work practices in um, Brisbane Australia especially are doing really well there are some new um, social enterprises um, entering the market in regards to um, factory work and manufacturing and providing opportunities. Um, so we've aligned with them recently um, and they're fairly new as well. So they've only been around the past two years. So, and they're growing and they have waiting lists for, you know, next year. So you can see it's working and the momentum is building. So that's really positive to hear. That's exciting actually. And mm -hmm. um, Terry, I really am curious about B Corps because you you told me in your bio that you're now working toward getting your business B Corp certified and that you're helping other companies with this. So how how are B Corps starting to play a more significant role in in Australia and in the wider world? Mm, yeah. Um, 
for those people watching at the moment that have never heard of um, B Corps, um, the concept behind it is about mixing purpose with profit. Um, and um, and if I just excuse my eye drifting over a bit, I'll read exactly what from their website so that I, I get it right. They say a certified B Corps are a new kind of business that balance purpose and profit. B Corporations or B Corps make decisions that make a positive impact across their workers, their customers, their suppliers, community and the environment. So it's about looking at all of those key areas. Um, we, I was just having a look before we jumped on and in Australia at the moment, um, there appear to be around 257 B Corps currently. Um, and it's interesting because since probably a year ago when I learned about it, um, I've noticed, and, and maybe because I'm noticing it more, but I, I, I have noticed more of my friends um, becoming involved in groups or having talks about B Corps. So, for example, in human resources, um, they're talking about um, B Corporations and, and how it can um, make a big difference for organisations. So it's, it's, um, it's much bigger overseas. It's quite new in Australia. Um, but it's, it's very exciting. I did a presentation to a business group um, on Friday about my journey and, and what B Corps are about. And it was really interesting to see, um, I guess, older uh, traditional businesses in there. For example, a very large accountancy firm uh, suddenly dawned on them what this was about and um, how they could... Um, possibly implement this into the business. I think what I like about it is that it, it requires this authenticity from the top. It's, you know, you can't just have a marketing campaign or, you know, promote um, sustainability. You've got to really think about your business and your practices and, and how um, you're implementing and how you're dealing with each of those things across the board. So it's it's having a big impact i think and it's getting more more, more and more momentum yeah mm. and what are, what are the types of brands that are setting the trend here from your experience um so obviously there's arbon which i think we've spoken about before so they're um uh, network marketing and they deal with beauty and and health um care i guess um so that's kind of cool looking at how they've implemented more um sustainable packaging in there i think they've always had ethical you know, you know, uh, I guess practices, but they've looked at their business as a whole and implemented other things. And so they've improved, which is fantastic. We've got some great Australian ones. So there's Intrepid, Patagonia, um, Who Gives a Crap, which I know you hadn't heard of before, but that's one well-known, particularly after COVID, even they oh, became okay. sold out. <laughs> so that's a toilet paper company. And that's, you know, they, they basically deliver a big box of toilet paper. Um, so that's fantastic. And, um, and lots of fun. You would have thought toilet paper could be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's quite a few. Mm. It's great. It's it's great to see that this is becoming more more main scale. And also, I I believe that there's also a drive for the sort of alternative stock exchange, right? So that sort of long term stock exchange kind of viewpoint. Um, and I know that there are a few people that are that are pushing for this to become more more of a thing. So it's exciting. 
And Fiona, what do you consider still needs to be improved with regard to supply chain integrity for, for sustainability? What, what are the opportunities you see? Um, so there is a lot um, of information out there. Um, so I think it is, um, you know, finding the right resource that gives you the correct information, um, which is number one, um, but also um, finding, I think, ne necessarily bringing in a consultant that can actually um, strategize and look at the whole of the business and put in practices that you can, you know, make sure that it becomes more sustainable so you know we're not against everyone you know um having a business for profit we know everyone needs to live and have a lifestyle um but we just need to make sure that we're doing the right thing by people first um and then planet so that way we can you know marry them both um but i think yeah bringing in a sustainability consultant um would be what would help the supply chain yeah. become more um you know have a higher integrity rate um mm -hmm. and then also um yeah sourcing the right resources as well so you get the right information because there is um yeah a lot of information out there and just making sure that you're doing sustainability and what it means for you and your company but doing it the right way as well so not just you know jumping on the bandwagon if that makes sense yeah it's interesting because i had i had one of one of my guests who challenges mm -hmm is purpose-driven businesses right so mm. uh, like how do we balance really the profit because you can't yeah. be in business just for purpose and you can't be in business okay. just for profit is what what we're learning mm -hmm. how do you achieve that balance and and I think there are a lot of people who don't think it can be profitable so it's it's it'll be interesting to know your experience as well from that perspective yeah definitely I think um I think all your actions have to align with your purpose or as much as possible um, in order to have a, um, you know, very successful life um, start and that includes your business. Um, so even to have a financially successful business, you have to make sure that, that it is purpose driven because that's, um, you know, people can tell inauthenticity um, and it is a buzz, buzzword now. <laughs> um, but I think it, you know, if you don't resonate with people, they can tell that you're just doing it for the money or you're just, you know, you can you can hear the sense of desperation in someone's tone, that kind of thing, when they're just doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, so when you align with your purpose, um, then I think profitability follows. Um, but what you do with that profitability then realigns with your purpose as well. So, um, or the purpose of the brand, um, which is normally quite personal anyway with, the founders of businesses um, and then the people that work for you or work with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think to be a purpose driven business, you have to be a purpose driven person, but also to align it with your mission as well. So, you know, you have, um, you could have a, you know, a community driven mission, um, you know, and that's how you create momentum and that's how you create profit. Um, but then it all gets put back into either the business and then, um, you know, empowering other people to do what they do best. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Terry, mm. from your perspective and the businesses that you've worked with, what do you think they most commonly get wrong in in approaching this this idea of workplace sustainability well? What, what are the common issues that you find? Mm. I mean, straight away, you have businesses not really thinking about what drives people 
and expecting them to produce their best work. So, um, I mean, legal is a really, law firms are a really great example because we traditionally work on a time basis. So we clock all of our time down and we bill based on our time. Um, and many years ago, I, I was probably 15 years ago, I got very frustrated at the fact that they weren't looking at people's strengths um, and were focusing on what it is that they weren't doing as opposed to, to strengths. And I think we've come a long way since 15, even 15 years ago. Um, but that, that's the issue I see a lot of. So when there are workplace disputes, for example, it's often... Uh, one person has done the wrong thing generally. Um, <laughs> and it, it's about really trying to find that purpose, I guess, for everybody in the, in the work. I mean, we don't just work, we have lives and going to work, you know, early in the morning and then leaving late at night and not having a life is horrible. Um, so I really do feel quite strongly about the fact that we have to try and look at ways to make people, you know, give them a place to thrive. And there's that word, but it's true. And it can be, I mean, we can overuse that word, but um, yeah, it's, it's important. So I, I see that where businesses go wrong is that they just slog people really. And even in Australia where, we have great working conditions compared to the rest of the world. We are known as hard workers. I think we do work, you know, long hours. So um, I really think businesses can, you know, business owners and leaders can take a lot from that. Um, I mean, Richard Branson said that is that well-known quote about workers being or employees being, you know, the most important part of your business. And I think he's right. Mm. Yeah. I I think one of the the insights I've had this year, you know, is like we talk about words that are buzzwords this year, you know, like authenticity or thriving. Another buzzword has been sustainability fundamentally. And what I've seen since this year, I was talking to another group leader of a sustainable group, and he told me that his group was 3000 people in March and it's now 60,000 people. And this is significant because it's showing the shift in consumer perception um, and your consumers are your employees, you know, it's like that whole society, that community, they're, they're all the same people. And if you're not acknowledging their need for purpose, you're not going to meet it with your business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a powerful, well powerful shift. So I'd like to ask you both, and probably I'll start with Fiona, what recommendations do you have for policymakers in Australia in particular, as this is the Australia segment of the show? Um, well, I'd definitely say with regards to policymakers, because um, I've experienced it firsthand um, and been through fair work procedures, is to actually think of the sheet of paper as a person, try and get their backstory, um, have more empathy and more compassion for other people's situations. Um, but to also... Um, yeah, when you're going through um, different setting new policies and new procedures, try and gain a balanced perspective um, because, you know, um, like good leaders and successful businesses um, that are run by high, you know, high achievers, they normally think of what does the customer need first? So think about who your viewer is, who your audience is, where are they, what do they do? 
um, and try and get into their mind first before you set, you know, any more policies um, based from, you know, an office space and try and get out there more and engage with more people. I think that's where you're going to get the best information and that's where I've got the best um, research and feedback from my customers. Yeah. Um, and that's how we've evolved so well um and that's how we've you know been able to deliver what they wanted because we've asked the question so i think that's really important very, very good point point. and terry um it's an interesting it made me think mm. about where you were coming from with that question and i guess from a workplace point of view i was thinking policymakers in terms of um fair work compliance for example um, and it's it is it is quite difficult for small business or well, even big business we've seen a run in Australia of um, a lot of companies underpaying their staff and and I think there's a real issue here with the way that our laws are structured insofar as they're quite difficult to understand sometimes <laughs> um, and so I'd like to see some more innovation happen in our workplace system and our laws so that it helps business um, owners and, and um, companies to, to be able to be more innovative, I guess, and not just strive for the basic, you know, the basic wage, you know. So I'm not quite sure how that looks. I mean, I've got an idea about just at a basic level, we can't, we can ring up Fair Work, for example, as a, an employer to get a, ask a question, um, but you can't necessarily rely on that answer. So just from a basic, basic level, it'd be great for um, workplaces to be able to get some sort of a binding kind of a, a statement. And, and I think that sounds very lawyer and compliance, you know, it's not wishy-washy or anything, but I think it really does make a difference to how people engage with their workforce when you are able to understand what you meant to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one more question to both of you, and this is going to be your top tip for someone who is getting started today in their own sustainable business. What would it be? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd probably say... Um, it's don't do it for the easy option. Do it because you like a challenge. Um, do it because you're solutions driven and you're mission driven. Um, and um, just make sure it's something that aligns with you because you can still be, I don't think everyone's cut out for self-employed business. I think you can still be an amazing leader um, in an employed position um, and you can lead from that space as well. Um, so I think you can be a leader in either self-employed or, you know, sole trader or you, as an employee as well. So I think just really um, figure out what you want first and be clear and then move forward with whether you want to be a sustainable employee or a sustainable business owner as well. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Terry? Yeah, great answer. Um, look, I guess it just comes down to any starting any business it's hard right it's a it's a hard slog and so if you're not aligned with what you're doing and you don't love it don't start it I guess is what I would say <laughs> I think I agree thanks ladies for joining me and it's been a fantastic episode and looking forward to engaging with you more in the coming weeks thank you thank you so much thanks for listening 
This podcast was brought to you today by the Depot Virtual Service Hub. The Virtual Service Hub is our digital transformation strategy service that supports startups needing to optimize their processes and their performance to scale up for growth. We also help medium-sized firms in modernizing their operations and our services include sustainable strategy, analytics, and tech enablement. To find out more, contact Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.